the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, this should make you want to puke. It's from The Ellen Show, which is a a show that can often be vomit-inducing, especially when she gets on her favorite subject, sexual orientation. Now, I don't watch The Ellen Show, but uh, Ellen DeGeneres does pop up a lot in places like Newsbusters, who does a great job of keeping track of things like this. It's a site you should always check, by the way. Anyway, you know who else pops up a lot? Dwayne Wade, the former NBA superstar, and his wife, of course, Gabrielle Union, who's an actress. They've been on a promotional tour to promote their daughter, who's 12 and used to be their son. They say they're really proud of him or her, depending on uh, you know which pronoun you think should apply. But they're really proud of themselves, and they've been using the kid, whose name is now Zaya, Z-A-Y-A, to virtue signal to the world. Here's Ellen and the kid's mother. Listen. He was on the show recently and talking about uh, your daughter, Zaya, and her transition. And it's like, and I know this is silly to, to say because, you know, who doesn't love their children unconditionally? But I guess a lot of people don't. But it's so amazing how supportive you've both been. Yeah, I mean, to us, it's it's a little it's a little odd to be to get, you know, any kind of recognition for doing what, you know, you're you're supposed to do, which is love and accept and embrace your 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 kids. So, it's odd to get recognition for that, but unfortunately, there are so many people who just don't they just don't. And so many people who really truly feel like their kids are disposable. Um if they're not perfect images of them, um they're not interested and and it's a it's it's heartbreaking so um for us we're just doing what is natural to us and 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 loving her uh there she is there's our girl um but um yeah we just want happy healthy you know compassionate kids so that's what we try to leave with that and and zaya Zaya is very, very lucky to have uh, both of you as parents, and it is unfortunate that a lot of people have children thinking they can uh, mold them and make them who they want them to be and have a certain idea of of what they're supposed to turn out like, but uh, they all turn out different. Yeah, imagine the nerve of parents who want to have influence on what kind of person their son or daughter turns out to be. What's wrong with a parent who doesn't let an 11 or 12 year old kid make a life altering decision? Come on, just get, you gotta get with it, parents. Meanwhile, uh, Gloria and Dwayne are just doing what comes naturally to them because they're so woke. And they don't know why anybody would make a fuss uh, over them. You know, they don't, she doesn't understand why they get recognition. That's why they're parading the kid in front of national TV audience, uh, TV audiences on shows like uh, Alan and Good Morning America about every other week and having Zaya show up on the red carpet at awards shows because they don't want to make a big deal about it. That's that's why. Uh, it won't be the last you'll be hearing about Zaya. He, she is uh, going to become a celebrity uh, if it's the last thing his parents can do. Meanwhile, on to more serious stuff after the break. Uh, Tim Murtaugh, the communications director for Trump 2020, is coming up. We'll talk about, among other things, uh, CNN filing a cease and, disor- cease and desist order over an aid, an ad, I'm sorry, an ad that uses clips from CNN. And in our second half hour, a history professor will talk about the absurdity of the New York Times winning a Pulitzer Prize for the 1619 Project. Stick around. Well, we're all spending more time at home these days, but somehow the wind and the rain didn't get the memo about shelter in place. This is John Stoggerwald with some great news from Windows R Us Pittsburgh. They've been granted a waiver by the governor to handle any emergency repairs outside your home. If you've had damage to your roof, gutters, siding, or windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can still answer the call. And everything will be handled in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines to keep your family and their employees safe. 
you may be eligible for free repair or replacement with the area's premier exterior replacement company with over 50 years of home remodeling experience. Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. For a no-pressure approach with no hidden fees and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry, a company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. windowsrspittsburgh.com that's windowsrspittsburgh.com. We've had our lives flipped upside down recently, and for many of us, things just got a lot rougher. But we've faced tough times before, and we're going to pull through this because, well, that's what we do in America. At Term Provider, Big Lou has a message for you. If all this craziness has you protecting the ones you care about, don't let it stop when we get through this. Keep the protection rolling with a life insurance shield around your family. For over 30 years, Term Provider has been providing affordable term life insurance at better prices and with better service, including policies that don't need an in-home exam. As for Big Lou, he's just like you, spending time at home with his kids, too. No matter what your medical history, prostate cancer, heart conditions, high cholesterol, or if you're taking prescription medications, at Term Provider, we can help you find a million dollars or more of term life insurance at affordable rates to fit your budget. There's no obligation, so call now for your free quote. Call 800-555-2085. That's 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. Your potential customers are at home right now. Are you there with them? In these uncertain times, the investment you made in digital marketing is really paying off. Thanks to Salem Surround, you're on page one of the search engines. Your online reputation is five-star. Your digital presence is accurate, and you're everywhere. Oh, wait, you're not? You don't have an effective digital marketing strategy? It's not too late. Contact Salem Surround for help. We deliver prescriptive marketing solutions to communicate with your current and future customers that not only meet your needs, but exceed your expectations. Salem Surround can help you with digital marketing during these difficult times and beyond. Total market saturation with increased return on investment. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and to learn how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. I'm Andy Solomon. 5G is here. It's the next generation of wireless network technology, and T-Mobile has the first and only nationwide 5G network. And unlike other wireless providers, T-Mobile is giving 5G access at no extra cost. Tech expert Andrea Smith. If you're looking to upgrade to a 5G phone, the new Samsung Galaxy S20 flagship devices are here. The S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra are the first smartphones in the U.S. that tap into the full potential of 5G. They're available today at T-Mobile with amazing deals. These deals are for everyone, even businesses. Get up to half off the latest Samsung Galaxy smartphones via bill credits with an eligible trade-in or snag a BOGO offer with bill credits when adding a line. And only T-Mobile includes 5G in all of its plans. That means anyone can get two lines starting at just $90 a month plus tax for T-Mobile Essentials with 5G included. For more information, visit T-Mobile.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, it's Tuesday. Well, actually, it's every other Tuesday. Uh, that's when we talk to Tim Murtaugh, the communications director for the Trump 2020 campaign. Tim, thanks for being here again. How are you? Doing well, John. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, good. So um, the big topic today, I guess, is the cease and desist letter that you guys got from CNN. They're <laughs> claiming that uh, an ad deceptively uses two of their people, including Wolf Blitzer, uh, giving the president credit for saving lives with his response. What was your response to the letter? Not your personally, but the, the campaign. Uh, well, I mean, we did we did issue a statement back to CNN. I mean, how how rich CNN, which is of course the home of fake news, complaining right. about how somebody is using uh, a section of their broadcast. All right, it's completely accurate. You had the two people, Dr. Gupta, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and, and Wolf Blitzer talking about the, the early estimates of over 2 million deaths in the United States if, uh, mm -hmm. if we did nothing, you know, if there was no mitigation whatsoever. And then they were talking about uh, what the, the actions the administration had, had taken. And, of course, that, I mean, it, it's, that's what the ad portrays and included uh, in any understanding of what the president has done was the restricting of travel 
from China early on at the end of January. And that's what the ad depicted. And of course, it's accurate. This is not the first ad of ours of President Trump's campaign that CNN has rejected, even though they were demonstrably accurate. They are still today the only, only uh, broadcast or cable outlet which has rejected any of our ads. Only CNN has found fault with any of our ads. And, you know, we, we said, when I, as I said back to Brian Stelter, their, their media reporter, <clears throat> such as he is, uh, I, I said to him, you know, why don't you guys just drop the pretense and declare yourselves a Joe Biden pack now? I mean, mm-hmm. my God, no one else, no one else has even the slightest problem with these ads. You guys consistently say you won't run them. Now, why would that be? You don't suppose they've taken sides, do you? No. Have have you actually appeared on CNN with Selter? Uh, no, no, I have not. Have they invited you? Not on that show. No, I mean we have no. um, some uh, that back and forth with Jim Shuto's show, and the schedule just never worked out. I mean, and we have a, a, an arrangement with them that we will get our people on there. They just for for the longest time they weren't they just weren't interested, so they said weren't interested in having campaign people on because, you know, the topic wasn't right to talk about it yeah. through the lens yeah. of the campaign. They'd rather have members of Congress or uh, uh-huh. others on to talk about various things. But we haven't, uh, I have not been on. We've had uh, some other members of our, our team have been on from time to time. So it's not like there's a blackout. I wouldn't, well, you I don't know, Brian's, that way. Uh, Brian's the guy who uh, said he crawled into bed and cried uh, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, because I did of see the, that. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I said... Yeah. Well, I, I pointed out at the time that Walter Cronkite, who I grew up watching, um, he, um, I mean, he was a big-time liberal, but he uh, was a reporter during World War II, and he flew on bombing missions. He, he actually was on the plane, you know, <laughs> covering the story with a pretty good chance he's going to be shot down. And, uh, and Brian Stelter is now crawling into bed crying just because he has to cover the news. He's not... He's not in the middle of it. He just has to talk about it. So that's who you're dealing yeah. with. <clears throat> yeah, I know. And it, these guys wake up every single day, and I know they go to work thinking, uh, how can I undermine the president of the United States today? I mean, mm-hmm. what, a, what a miserable place to be that um, really, truly, because Donald Trump is the president of the United States, bad news for America is good news for them if you're mm-hmm. if you're certain members of the news media and that's just to me I find that a really sad place to be. Of course, the one thing you have going for you when it's uh, CNN is that hardly anybody's watching. That's you have that. <laughs> that's true. You know, we that's... have these. We're doing these online shows every night. We're getting bigger, bigger audiences than most of CNN's daily lineup. You so do? I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we do a show every night uh, on across all the president's uh, social media channels. And every show has gotten at least one million unique viewers, and some of them are up over two and a half million. Um, Don, Donald Trump Jr. got you know, two and a half million viewers, and so we're we're killing CNN. <laughs> and and um, um, I never watch uh, CNN, so I don't know. But um, they, uh, I don't know where their ratings are lately. They're, I think they're 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 pretty far down the toilet. I mean, they're they're in the I think like twenty fifth on on the cable list of uh, most watched shows. But um, the, the president's gone after CNN hard. Uh, it, do you think he's winning that fight? Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, look, CNN, as you just alluded to, CNN is ranked below, you know, the Home and Garden Channel and right. uh, reruns, reruns of old sitcoms beat CNN. And, you know, so, yeah, I think the president is winning that fight. I mean, he's got his uh, 77 million Twitter followers and, um, and CNN has, has low, low ratings, we know. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say he's winning that fight. Now, uh, are, you, are you the man hosting those shows every night? Or are you part of that deal? Uh, I am part of it. I'm not doing it every night. I have a show on Sundays called War Room Weekly, uh, Sunday night at 8 o'clock, which is on the president's Facebook page and on our Team Trump uh, Twitter handle and on our YouTube page, the president's YouTube page. And on, on War Room Weekly, we, we set about trying to define Joe Biden on the issues. Last week, we talked about foreign policy and how he's been wrong on every major foreign policy call over the last four decades. Most recently, mm-hmm. um, he, he said that he would go back to the Obama method of dealing with Cuba, which is to open everything up again. And yeah, we know that's a bad idea. I'd love to see how he's going to try to sell that to the Cuban-Americans in Florida, that they're going to go back to appeasing and coddling the Castro regime. So, you know, we'll see how that works out for him. But um, every single night we've got 
different shows, 8 o'clock Eastern Time every night, uh, different coalitions, Women for Trump, Black Voices for Trump, Catholics for Trump, Latinos for Trump. Don Jr. makes an appearance every once in a while. Laura Trump is very heavily involved. Uh, and so it, it, Kim, Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, really, really, it's really actually really very entertaining. It's why it's getting so many viewers. Were, were, were they doing anything like that in 2016, do you know? Not to this extent. No, we shifted to this because we were looking for a way to connect with voters when it was clear that we, for a long time, we wouldn't be able to be holding rallies, right? So the president is best when he's out connecting with people uh, in person, face to face. That's why it was so effective with these rallies. And so since during the coronavirus era, since we can't be doing that, at least for now, um, we pivoted to the digital realm and and started doing it every night, um, like I guess about six weeks ago. We're talking to Tim Murtaugh, the communications director for the Trump 2020 campaign. He's here every other Tuesday at 5.15. There's an ad out there, Tim, now called Morning in America. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G in America. It's a takeoff, obviously, on Ronald Reagan's Morning in America, and it it blames the president for the the pandemic and the collapse of the economy. Is that going to change the mind of anybody who was already inclined to vote for a Democrat, do you think? Uh, already inclined to vote for a Democrat? I, I mean, mean, we think that there are... No, well, I guess I mean the opposite, you know, with, with, that anybody wasn't already inclined to vote for a Democrat. Oh, no, we don't think so, because, look, <laughs> Americans can see what the president has been doing. He's been out front leading, and he's had two main responsibilities that he's been seeing to. He's been protecting the health and safety of the American people, and he's also been safeguarding the economy. People understand that this is a global pandemic that every country on Earth is dealing with. And it came from China. People understand that. And so to try to somehow say it's President Trump's fault that China unleashed a pandemic upon the world, I mean, that's a little bit ludicrous. The president acted early and decisively uh, and swiftly to restrict travel from China, which even Dr. Fauci, one of the, one of the people who's sort of become a, uh, an icon here, had, uh, really credits with saving American lives. And then the president knows we got to get the economy moving again, because as a response to the pandemic, the economy was pretty much switched off, right? So I think that the economic message still resonates and maybe even resonates more strongly because everyone knows that the economy had reached an unprecedented height through President Trump's policies. No question about it. And then it was artificially interrupted by the coronavirus. And he is the one who can get us back into movement again and get it back up to where it was before. He did it once. He'll do it a second time. The other option is Joe Biden, who would immediately raise taxes and enact the Green New Deal, which would crush industry and crush the fossil fuel industry and the fracking industry on which Western Pennsylvania it depends so much manufacturing in the Pittsburgh area. All of that would take a big hit from Joe Biden. So I think the economic message is very clear. You go with the guy who did it once or go with the guy who's got terrible ideas who would crush the recovery. Yeah, and uh, I've, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've, I've put the odds at 50-50 that Joe doesn't make it to the convention um, because of any number of things. But number one right now for me is the sexual assault uh, claim that I don't think he's done a very good job of handling. Well, I don't know if I mean he he's got to he's probably going to be the nominee. I don't I think at this point if the Democrats tried something underhanded and and swapped him out for somebody else, they would have a they've got a fractured party as it is now with the Bernie supporters not feeling too good about things. If they tried something like that, they would have a real mess on their hands. Well, I, I saw an, I saw a poll. I saw a poll that said uh, that forty five percent of younger Democratic voters. I don't I don't know what the age cutoff was, but. Something like forty to forty-five percent of them would like to see someone else right now. That may be so, but I'm not sure. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I hard to, you know, the establishment worked really hard to keep Bernie uh, away from the nomination. I, I fail to see how they would turn and give it right back to him again. And and you look just because the polls show that people on the Democrat side are dissatisfied with Biden as the nominee, it does not mean that the mechanism exists for them to do anything about it. You know, he's uh-huh. he's gonna be the nominee. I think okay. that that much is clear. They they really don't have the rules uh, to do anything about that right now. I wouldn't be feeling too happy about that if I were them. Um, well, the, the president went to Arizona today, right? Yeah, yeah, he's out, he's, uh, out there right now at this moment, I think. Is this the beginning yep. of him trying to get out of Washington more often? I mean, as you said, he, he loves going to these rallies, but there aren't going to be any rallies for a while. 
No, not for a little while. We are determined to get back out on the campaign trail, that's for sure. And, and this visit to California is what we call an official trip. That's uh, you know not campaign related. That's in his role uh, as uh, president. He's going out to see Honeywell and he's doing an event with some Native Americans uh, out there. And so it, it's a good trip and um, you know good to get him away from the White House and out into the country uh, because I think people want to be able to see their president uh, out being a leader. So that's that's what he's doing today. With respect to the campaign trail, you know he's very optimistic, and we are determined to get back out there at a time when it is safe to do so. And I think. Um, you know, the president will be the one who decides when that happens. But we are we are determined to return to the campaign trail and uh, hopefully we'll be having a, a rally in Pennsylvania at some time in the not so distant future. So how, how much can or will the president determine when different areas of the country reopen and how much of it will be determined only by the governors? Well, you know, there, there are the CDC guidelines that uh, the states are advised to follow and governors, of course, do control the individual levers in, in their own states. But, you know, I would say beyond, even a step beyond the governors, I think a lot of it is in the hands of the people in these states because I think people are starting to get restless. You know, they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're, they, they want to get back to work. And they're, you, you have people shut in their homes. And, you know, we know, I, I can tell you, the people on the campaign, we know we've been working from home since March 13th. So it's coming up on two months that we've been um, locked away pretty much in social distancing here, working remotely. People want to get back into the workforce. And, and, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs. They want to see these businesses come back and start hiring people back again. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people are raring to go, and um, governors, not every place is in the same circumstance. You know, New York State is not in the same situation that you know, South Dakota or Montana would be, or even Florida. You know, as states begin to gradually open up, states are going to be on different timelines. And so the president sets the tone, and, you know, the governors are there in their own states and, and know better what's going on on the ground, but it's really, I think, the pressure is going to come from the people. Yeah, and I, it's interesting because here in western Pennsylvania, I had a guy on the show yesterday. He uh, does news at a radio station up in Punxsutawney, which is Jefferson County, where they have, um, I think it's eight people, or maybe it's six, I forget now. I think it's eight. Eight, eight people have uh, been uh, found to have the coronavirus. Eight, not died, eight. just yeah. eight cases. And they are under the same, they're going to get the, uh, moved into the yellow uh, phase on Friday. But they um, they are dealing with the same kind of a shutdown that Allegheny County has had. They, they're, they're wearing masks everywhere. They, they, they can't go to church. You and that people just aren't going to put up with that, Tim. They're just, I mean, no, it makes no sense to them. No, it doesn't. And you see, you know, so like taken to absurd extremes where, you know, people on the beach who are, you know, I don't know how far away apart they were, but helicopters flying overhead telling them to get out right. of the surf. You know, I mean, that. I think that takes it a little bit to the extreme. And if you're talking about a fairly rural place um, with not great population density um, like Punxsutawney and eight cases, I mean, you know, it's silly to have the same restrictions and the same parameters for a place like that versus an urban area. It's, it's just, a, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why, you know, not everywhere, I think it has, there has to be recognition that not everywhere is experiencing the same conditions. And so you can't just blanket say, okay, everyone in the country is going to open on X date. It just, it doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. I have a minute left and I'm up against a hard break, Tim. Seems to be a difference between how soon Republican and Democrat governors are willing to open up. Is it possible to not allow politics to play a role in that? Well, you know, I think they see things uh, probably a little bit differently. I mean, look, the president, I think there's a knee-jerk reaction on behalf of some on the other side that if the president says up, they must say down. So mm -hmm. the president has said he wants to get the country open and moving again. I think the, uh, the immediate and um, re reflexive reaction from a lot of Democrats is to say, no, no, we're not going to do that simply because the president said so, you know, if the, again, if the president says it's daytime, Democrat governors will say it's nighttime. Um, you know, he's had a good relationship with a lot of them, and they've done some good work together. But, you know, when it comes down to it, some of them, not all, but some of them are going to react to things in a very partisan manner. Tim, thank you. See you in two weeks. You bet. Thanks, John. All right, Tim Murtaugh, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump says once the coronavirus pandemic eases, his administration will have the U.S. economy back up and running as it was prior to the onset of the crisis. The president spoke to reporters on the White House lawn 
prior to departing for Arizona. He's now in Phoenix touring a plant that makes N95 respirator masks. Major U.S. automakers are planning to reopen North American factories within two weeks. The United Auto Workers Union appears to be on board that decision. The U.S. trade deficit rose in March as the coronavirus outbreak battered America's trade with the world. The gap between what the United States sells and what it buys abroad rose 11.6%. The Dow gained 133 points today. The Nasdaq was up 98 and the S&P 500 was ahead 25 points. This is SRN News. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time. So that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt, and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Mike Gallagher comes at the virus with common sense. This is a vicious virus. Please don't listen to people who do minimize it and say, this is the flu. It's not. But now comes the chorus of voices that seem to be drowning out the Armageddonists that think we should be shut down for 18 months. It's not going to happen. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy & Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. All of our cleaning and disinfection services use hospital-grade, EPA-registered products. Contact us to provide peace of mind for your employees. Demand the yellow van. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master Greater Pittsburgh. Our specialty cleaning services can provide the peace of mind your customers and employers need as your business reopens. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master Greater Pittsburgh and schedule a consultation today. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W- CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway North, the HOV lanes remain closed. On the regular lanes, outbound takes you about 12 minutes from the Fort Pitt Bridge up to 79. Turnpike under construction both ways between Gateway Toll Plaza and Newcastle. A lane closure in each direction. Westbound side of the turnpike also have two lanes closed between Butler Valley and Cranberry and Sawyer Way. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Mostly cloudy with rain for tonight, low 39. Breezy and chilly with periods of rain tomorrow, high 50. Wednesday night, cloudy and cold, low 34. Sunshine and some clouds, breezy Thursday, high 60. 
Friday, periods of rain, high 46, and for Saturday, cloudy with a shower, high 47. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the New York Times won a Pulitzer Prize for the 1619 Project, uh, which came as a surprise to no one. Uh, because it's a total rejection of the uh, the founding of America that we all learned about in school and a claim that the United States is basically here because of uh, racism and slavery. Everything is based on that. Uh, Dr. Alan Gelzo is a visiting uh, uh, fellow at the Simon Center for American uh, the for American Center for American Studies and a professor at Princeton, uh, and he's from the uh, Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now. Thanks for being here, Alan. Very good to talk to you this afternoon. So uh, the fact that uh, one of the 1619 uh, Project's consulting historians pointed out errors and forced a retraction didn't seem to, uh, to phase the Pulitzer people, did it? Did not seem to put even the slightest hitch in the process. And that was a damaging admission, because here was one of the consulting historians, one of the few historians, I have to say, that the 1619 Project actually did involve in the process. And this particular historian... Uh, wrote an op-ed admitting, accusing the New York Times of having ignored her objections to the way the 1619 Project was attempting to portray the American Revolution. Just waved away her objections. And when she went public with it, of course, it was an embarrassment. The New York Times did issue what it called mildly a correction, but then proceeded as though nothing had happened. And, and how serious was the error? I mean, did it did, did it have the potential, or did it blow the whole thing out of the water? Well, it's a little bit like asking whether water is wet. Uh, the American uh. Revolution, what was it founded on? Well, mm-hmm. the exertion of the 1619 Project was that the American Revolution was really founded on slavery. Right. The American revolutionaries went to war against Great Britain to protect slavery. They were all slaveholders, therefore... Everything that was done in the American Revolution, whether it was the Declaration of Independence, whether it was the Battle of Yorktown, whether it was George Washington at Valley Forge, didn't matter. It was all done to protect slavery. Unfortunately, there's really not a shred of evidence for that, something which was pointed out repeatedly after the 1619 Project was originally published in August of 2019. Major historians, Gordon Wood, the dean of historians of the American Revolution, objected to this. No evidence. Over and over again, historians wrote to the New York Times and said, this is, this is if not a simple exaggeration, this is an outright fabrication. The objections were routinely waved away. I know because I wrote one of those objections and had it <laughs> waved away. Now, it was waved away, but... Um, are, are these people who, the people who are responsible for the project, for the 1619 project, they're obviously, uh, they obviously are liberals and have a certain attitude about American, America in general. Did any, are, are, the, are the historians, including yourself, who, um, who call them out, are they just dismissed by them because you're conservatives and because you're uh, America's, uh, you know, America right or wrong? Or were there, were there historians who, who saw the flaws in it who were not necessarily uh, all that opposed to them philosophically on most other things? Well, it's difficult to measure motives of people that you do not know personally. I do not know personally the contributors to the 1619 Project or its overall editor, Nicole Hannah-Jones. She is a journalist. I'm an academic historian. We move in two entirely different worlds. What I do know is, and what I'm surprised at over and over again, is the hubris of journalists. It's often said that journalism or newspapers is the first draft of history. Mm -hmm. There's no historian who's going to stand up and agree with that. We know better. We know from working with historic newspapers that usually the first appearance in a newspaper of a description of a historical event, is wildly exaggerated, usually dead wrong, and it's worth quoting mostly for amusement's sake. And knowing that, we don't 
at all agree to this idea that somehow journalists write this first draft of history. Well, now, with the 1619 Project, you have a situation where journalists now claim that they're writing the final version of history as well. And to do that without paying the slightest bit of attention to the objections lodged, serious objections lodged, by professional historians to this is as much as saying that, well, we'll fix the car ourselves. We don't want any advice from professional mechanics. Well, you can imagine what the result of that would be. And the result, so to speak, with the 1619 Project is not really all that different. So as far as you know, there were no um, actual historians involved in this. They were all journalists who who, who put this thing out because it's... <sighs> I don't it's know, because no list, no, no list of people are issued. Obviously, mm -hmm. there were some historians who were consulted. Again, I yeah. do not know who they were. Mm -hmm. I do know that major historians, and I can go down the list for you, people like my colleague at Princeton, Sean Willens, Gordon Wood, James McPherson, Lucas Morell, Michael Burlingame. I go down this list of major American historians, and none of them were consulted by the 1619 Project. Now, it may be that there were professional academic historians who were consulted in this process, but at least one of them, from the evidence of that op-ed, provided them with corrections and information that they ignored anyway. So I don't know how many historians may have had some connection with the 1619 Project, but obviously, in at least one case, the advice that they gave wasn't even really wanted. Well, what's disturbing, it uh, should be disturbing to people, is that this would be one thing if a Pulitzer Prize was given to someone at the New York Times because they thought they did a nice story and it, they did a lot of work and what they may be considered to be legitimate research, and it ended there. But this is, I think it's already been picked up by, uh, is it 3,500 school districts that are going to use this? 30, as, as, the estimate is that right now about 3,500 schools in America are using some aspects, or maybe the entire package, of the 1619 Project as their American history curriculum. There are entire urban school districts, Buffalo, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Detroit, which are using and distributing the 1619 Project. And this is what is being taught as American history to K-12 through students in these schools. And what it says about the American Revolution, that's only the starting point. I mean, there are a list of things which the 1619 Project goes through because its aspiration, it's, and it says so very, very frankly, its aspiration is to recenter our entire understanding of American history around slavery. That's why it's called the mm -hmm. 1619 Project, because their right. assertion is that America didn't begin in 1776. America began in 1619 when slaves were first brought to colonial Virginia. And everything that the United States is flows downstream, not from 1776 and the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution in 1787. It flows downstream from slavery in 1619. So, not only the revolution is tainted by this, but capitalism itself in America is tainted by this, because the assertion of the project is that capitalism itself is modeled on plantation slavery. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln simply is dismissed as a run-of-the-mill racist who had no better idea for what to do about slavery than to deport black people forcibly to Central America or to Africa. Now, now that, stand back for a moment. You're talking about the name that appears at the bottom of the Emancipation Proclamation? Abraham Lincoln? Yes, the very same one. This is the same Abraham Lincoln who, after the Emancipation Proclamation, recruits 180,000 black soldiers in United States Army uniforms, gives them guns, and sends them out to kill white supremacists in gray uniforms. And this is the same Abraham Lincoln who is murdered after issuing a call for the consideration of black voting rights. And yet all of that, that is invisible in the 1619 Project. So that gives you some examples of how the 1619 Project proposes to carry out what it calls recentering. 
We're talking to Dr. Alan Gelzo, who's a visiting fellow at the Simon Center for American History at the uh, uh, Heritage Foundation. He's also a professor at Princeton. Uh, you wrote a piece about Lincoln uh, uh, and, and the 1619 Project. I want to get to that in a second, but you mentioned some of these school districts that are picking it, uh, picking this up and using it as their their as their curriculum. Um, is and you mentioned that if, if you're talking about urban um, school districts, which are going to be predominantly or very uh, much uh, populated by black kids, uh, is does it amount to pandering to use this in in, in that situation? I don't think it's pandering. Uh, I think it's what one observer called Afro pessimism. It is at a it's a prevailing sense in some quarters that the American world simply hasn't turned out in a very happy way for a lot of African-Americans. And you know something? I'm going to say that that, in fact, is true. I will even go down the road far enough with the 1619 Project to say that a lot of American history over the years, even when I was a kid in school, K through 12, just, just completely obliterated the contribution, the role, the place of African Americans in American history. And it seems to me, looking back on this as an individual, looking back on this, that was one of the great things missing. I mean, when I was, when I was in grade school, we didn't even hear about Frederick Douglass. I mean, this was a name I had to meet later on. So there's mm-hmm. one part of the 1619 Project which I can sympathize, and that is to understand the role, the real role, that African-Americans have played, sometimes in the most painful circumstances, in building this country, that African-Americans have title to the title American as fully as much as anyone who came from any other place to this country. That much, if the 1619 Project was aimed at, that much would be something I would cheer on. But what the 1619 Project is about is not about celebration. It's not about, isn't the American experiment extraordinary that it could take people from so many different places under so many different circumstances and allow people by dint of their own efforts, struggle, blood, and toil to build themselves up into a new nation unlike any other nation that had ever been seen in the world. If that was what 1619 would celebrate, I'd be cheering for it, but it's not. 1619 is saying that, in fact, none of that ever really happened. That black people in particular were always put in a position where they had no hope, where they had no future, and where American, the weight of American ideals always pressed down on them and never offered them an opportunity. And that simply is not true. And it is that which I am fearful of because that helps to extinguish hope in the hearts and minds of a young generation coming up, whether, whether it be black or white or Asian or whatever. The extinction of hope is something that would have shocked people like Lincoln, Jefferson, they looked at the American experiment as that which gave hope to people. And to lose that hope, and especially to lose it on the horns of that term that I quoted, Afro-pessimism, is one of the great losses that the 1619 Project threatens to inflict on us. Um, I have about two and a half minutes left, and I wanted to make sure I got to got you to explain the piece you wrote at the Heritage Foundation about their mistake on Abraham Lincoln, if you can do it in two minutes. Abraham Lincoln, it is said by the 1619 Project, had but one view, and that is to look at black people as a problem, a problem that needed to be removed. In the first place, the quotation that was used was not Lincoln. It was Lincoln quoting someone else, Henry Clay. But, of course, that distinction didn't make it into the 1619 Project. The other thing was, the assertion was that Lincoln's sole aim was colonization, deportation. Well, Lincoln talked about colonization the same way that a lot of people talked about colonization. But he did it with a view towards persuading white supremacists in his own day to go along with emancipation. All the talk about colonization was, for the most part, sugarcoating. When you're trying to explain 
to white supremacists in 1863 why you should emancipate black slaves, you've got to say to them, because their first reaction is going to be, oh, no, no, we don't want that. Uh, that's going to disturb our social system. That's going to unbalance our economy. What you want to be able to say to them is, well, you know, there's a bunch of options out here. And, you know, it might happen this way. It might happen that way. It might happen the other way. Colonization was sugarcoating. It made the pill of emancipation go down easier. And what, what in fact, is the result when Lincoln emancipates the slaves? What you get after two years, by 1865, you get black soldiers in blue uniforms. You get Abraham Lincoln talking about how they cannot be denied rights. Lincoln telling blacks in Richmond when he visits there just at the end of the war, they will have the same rights as everybody else. That is what Lincoln was aiming at. And that, that is just airbrushed out of the, uh, the 1619 project completely. Wow. Uh, I'm out of time. Uh, Dr. Alan Gelzo, that's really interesting stuff, and it's a really, it's a shame and kind of scary what's uh, happening with this uh, 1619 project, and the Pulitzer Prize is only going to give it more credibility, I think, among the, among the dumb. Thank you very much for being here. Very good. All right, and we'll be right back. Have you seen what's happening in the stock market recently? Down 4.4%, 2.9%, 7.8%. Hi, this is Beth Andrews, founder of Networth Financial Advisors. The Dow has had some rough days recently, and if you think those numbers don't mean anything to you, think again. Can you afford to lose 7% of your retirement nest egg in a single day at this stage of your life? If you want to make sure your retirement portfolio aligns with your current risk tolerance, give us a call at 800-426-1428. Even if you already have a retirement plan, make sure you're properly diversified during these turbulent times. Give me, Beth Andrews, and my team at Networth Financial Advisors a call today, and we'd be happy to look over your situation. Now is the time to make sure more bad days in the market don't hurt your retirement plans. 800-426-1428. That's 800-426-1428. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, they're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of their amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, Giza Dream Sheets, MyPillow Towels, Roll and Go Anywhere Pillows, Duvet Covers, Giza Pillowcases, Bolster Pillows, and Neck Pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. Be sure to use promo code STAG. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with the global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash hats. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash hats. That's BambooHR.com slash hats. Migraines can attack anytime, anywhere. Now there's a new kind of pill you can take anytime, anywhere to treat them. Introducing Ubrelvi or Ubrojapant. Ubrelvi can provide relief from migraine pain and debilitating symptoms without worrying where you are or if it's too late. 
People took Ubrelvi within four hours of a migraine attack. One dose can quickly stop a migraine in its tracks within two hours, and many had pain relief in just one hour. Ubrelvi treats migraine attacks in adults and is not for migraine prevention. It is available by prescription only. Do not take Ubrelvi with strong CYF384 inhibitors. Tell your healthcare provider about all the medicines you take. Few people had side effects. The most common were nausea, 2 to 4%, and tiredness, 2 to 3%. While normal routines have shifted, the need for migraine treatment remains the same. Contact your healthcare provider to see if Ubrelvi is right for you. Ubrelvi, the anytime, anywhere migraine medicine. Learn about support and resources at ubrelvi.com or call 844-4-U-B-R-E-L-V-Y. Sponsored by Allergan. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, how about a little sports? Um, waiting for sports to come back. How about Steeler football, uh, pro football, NFL football in general? Uh, the uh, CEO of the Miami Dolphins, Tom Garfinkel, has came out with this plan on Monday, and this, is, to me, is the most ridiculous thing I could ever imagine. This is what he said it would be like going to an NFL game. It'll be much like ordering takeout from a restaurant or grocery shopping. All fans would wear masks, number one. Colored spots on the ground outside the stadium would indicate proper social distancing. So if you go, you want to tailgate, you, everybody's got to stand six feet apart. Uh, and also a spectator's weight dinner. Food would be ordered from the seat and then picked up at the designated concession stand, eliminating the need for lines. That sounds like a, a, a plan that will work well. And entering, entering and exiting the stadium also would change to give everybody more space. This is a quote. We would have times to come in for security at different gates so people would be separated out in terms of when they enter the stadium. We would exit the stadium much like a church environment where each row exits so people aren't filing out at the same time in a herd. And then he said that the, uh, to accomplish this, might have to limit the capacity. Instead of the 65,000 fans at Hard Rock Stadium, attendance would be held to only 15,000 for the 2020 season so everybody can keep a proper distance. Now, how they would handle who gets the tickets, he didn't mention. But you have, uh, I don't know how many thousand uh, season ticket holders there. Who gets to go and who gets to not, who's allowed to go to the game and who's not. Uh, this is absolutely insane. Insane. Just forget it. If you're going to do this, no fans. Get the TV cameras there and play a game. Can you imagine drunken Steeler fans who've been tailgating, standing six feet apart or not, prior to the game, Leaving the game like uh, like you leave a church, where uh, eat one aisle at a t- one row at a time. It's just absolutely insane, and that's what we're looking at. And it's only begun to uh, to hear. We've only begun to hear these idiotic ideas. I will talk to you tomorrow, probably with more idiotic. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.